what your spirit is saying to us, how to help us through difficult times, Lord, that we can stay pure and righteous and holy before you and obedient to your will in all situations. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, I say in the uh, afternoons we do a teaching on Watchman Revelation, some things that, that we believe that will help you as Watchman. And so I was going through the uh, uh, prayer manual, and I found the prayer, He Restoreth My Soul. And that's a prayer that we use for people who have different types of mental torment, so forth and so on. And so as I was reading it, and I told the Lord, I said, well, this is a good prayer. We have it, you know, suggested for restoration of the mind for people. We suggest, you know, people, uh, uh, restoration of the mind, will, and emotions of those who are fragmented by drug abuse, alcohol, or mental illness. And I was looking through the prayer, and I thought, Lord, that's a good prayer to pray for. (laughs) Just anybody, you know, I mean, who isn't? fragmented at some time or torn amen and so i was speaking to the lord about how he wanted me to incorporate the teaching uh to cover the prayer i know you all have it in your prayer manual and we use it from time to time for people and in asking god to help them uh in restoring their minds so that their minds are sound and so they they don't have fear and all those things and tormenting things because we are redeemed from the curse of the law i mean anything that the enemy wants to put on us we can resist and refuse but you do have to renew your mind in the word of god to really have peace with god and and we all understand that and so as i was praying about it the lord began to show me some things and he said tell them about the haters who are assigned to destroy their lives so yeah so you need to understand how haters are assigned by satan to destroy your life now before you get carried away about flesh and blood these haters are not people (laughs) these are spiritual forces but of course we know their biggest instrument oftentimes is people sometimes they just work on your mind you by yourself you know you get a a a thought that doesn't line up with god's word and you might accept it this might be something that's incorporated into your thinking and so when i started looking up the word hate and the lord began to show me that this is something that the enemy likes to put inside of us he is the one through iniquity that puts hatred on the inside of us and it works with spiritual forces on the outside of us as well and so it's nothing the the enemy with like nothing more than to destroy us through our own devices our own words our own actions and that's really how he's able to get into the lives of believers in revelation 12:12 12, 12, it says this therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea i mean the devil's even in the sea folks for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knows that he has but a short time. So he releases hatred across the earth through his legion of haters so that he can upset the lives of the inhabitants of the earth. Psalm 51.5 says that we are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. 
So nobody's born good. There's no such thing as good people and bad people. They're just people. People are able to do good things as well as bad things. We would like to do more good things, but somehow we you know, just can't always get it together. Even as believers, we struggle. So since we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity, we are under the dominion of the kingdom of darkness. And that means that the, it's easy for us to be deceived and pulled in to the devil's game because we have a disposition that way. See, it's easy for us to believe lies because we have no defense against it. We don't have any truth in us until we're born again. You start getting bits of truth through witnessing, through hearing the gospel. You grab onto that truth and you latch onto that truth and then you make the choice. I'm going on with the truth and I'm going to let this go. But until that time, we are bent toward believing lies and believing things that that foster hate even when we like or love people there's an element of a hatred because there's a selfishness in that see and there's a uh, selfishness always wants to extract from somebody it's not a giving thing so if you don't have that that heart of giving and of loving there's still some hatred there And I know that's a strong word, but I'm going to explain to you why the Lord had me use that. Because we use that term now in the world. People always say, don't hate, haters this, haters that. And I think it's because people are beginning to realize that, that words and iniquity have a detrimental effect on us. On the atmosphere around us, on our relationships. They would rather you suppress the hate and show them love so that we can get along and we can have a good time. And that hate comes in there and it disturbs everything. And so the reason God told me to use that term is because that's exactly what it is. And the enemy hates us. He hates humanity. And he would like nothing better to, than to destroy. In fact, that is his ministry to steal, kill, and destroy. So until we meet the Lord, we're under the dominion of the kingdom of darkness. And the prince of this world rules in in the realm of darkness and wickedness. Hatred is a fruit of spiritual wickedness. So anytime the devil has input in a person's life, and and that's everywhere, you turn on the television. People don't get married anymore, and it's okay. See, that's that's spiritual wickedness. That's something that they're what they are doing is is laughing at God's word. They're saying we don't care about marriage. We don't care about that. And we're not ashamed of it either. You see what I'm saying? So that type of wickedness is what God's talking about here. So a hatred is a fruit of spiritual wickedness. I don't care how much you love somebody. If your heart is not converted by God's spirit. It's going to turn sour. It's going to turn angry. It's going to turn evil at some point. You got me? And that's why the enemy releases haters into our lives to get into our hearts, to destroy relationships, to see if he can tear them up and tear up our lives as well. So the devil has assigned hatred to us to defeat us at every turn. Hatred really is defined as an intense animosity or hostility. An intense emotional dislike. And it can be directed against individuals, 
or groups of persons. We know those of us who lived through the 50s and 60s 60s, saw laws change that made people ashamed to hate people because they were born different than they were. You got me? God did that, folks. That, That had nothing to do with laws. I mean, it's against the law, and it always should have been. And it's too bad we had to make laws to enforce something as basic as understanding that the person next to you has just as much right to live and pursue their life as you do, regardless of what they look like or where they came from. But, you know, in this, in this country, it was very common to dislike people and nobody thought anything about it. You know, it was, uh, you know the blacks against the whites and the Asians against the, the American Indians, all that kind of stuff, Native Americans. And so you have to, to see that when the enemy comes in with this hatred, he does it with a plan in mind. See, it's done to destroy harmony. It's done to destroy people's lives. If you can get enough people angry at somebody for no reason and get them stirred up to go and move against that person, they can pose a threat to that individual's life, etc., etc. And the other end of it is that a country that tolerates that will not be blessed of God. See, the blessing of God is cut off. And that's what the the devil likes to do. He likes to get us cornered uh, by our own fear and our own uh, crazy ideas and live those out so that so that we cannot have the blessing of God. See, you look at look at what happened in the South since the Civil Rights Acts. You see a lot of companies moving down there or they couldn't do it before. I had friends that worked at places like IBM, uh, you know, other big companies, and they said, oh, no, we don't want to know. We can't put an office down south. He said, because we've got black executives, we've got all kinds of different colored people working here, and they will not tolerate them being bosses. Huh? Then after all that cleared up, now it's against the law. Now all of a sudden everybody wants to be down south now. They move down there in droves. Why? Because the haters have had to let go of what they were holding on to and causing that hatred against one another. Huh? The haters have been put down. But just like you put down a hater in one area, one pops up in another one. So now that we, we can have harmony among the races, now we don't want to let people get married and respect a normal family unit. Somehow that's a joke anymore. Huh? Ozzie and Harriet, oh, Lord, you you know, your family is like, (laughs) I remember years ago, (laughs) my husband, I had a friend that he had been married like three times. And we'd come in the door, he said, oh, Ozzie and Harriet, you know, joke. You're you're married and you stay married, so that's funny to me. Of course, if you call him a loser, three-time loser, see, then you're the bad person. See? You got me? So that's the power of hate. See, hate comes across real strong, and if you try to challenge it, then it accuses you of being, you're wrong. See? Mm-hmm. 
you think you're better than me because you got a husband or you got a wife or you've been married. You think you're better than somebody. So that's what the hater does. Points the finger. Accusing all the time. And that's that's what life is mostly for people who are sinners or people who lose live in the flesh. It's a life of insecurity, accusation and hatred. Basically hatred. So <clears throat> we said hatred is an intense animosity or hostility. It's an intense emotional dislike directed against individuals. The haters have this feeling though toward all humanity. So if they, if you're on their list, don't think you can be nice to them and get off their list. You got me? <laughs> Just (laughs) go on with God. You understand what I'm saying? And let them be who they are. Take authority over them when they try to get involved in your life. But you can't eat off of their fruit. You can't feed off of what they give you. Amen? Amen. Hating is all that they are capable of. The haters of humanity work on the human soul to impart hatred and a tolerance for lack of failure and disappointment you got me so their aim against you is to get you to tolerate lack failure and disappointment and make it just a normal routine part of your life so that when you begin to rise up and expect good from God then the haters can accuse you and put you back down again to where they can control you with their lack and their disappointment. huh? And all of those hateful things. See, we all dislike that. But we feel sometimes we have to accept it because we don't know how to get out from under it until God. Got me? Until God. So if, you, if you're under that dominion, there's good news. You can come out of, of expectation of failure. You can come out of the expectation of lack. But you're going to have to fight in order to get out of there. You got me? You've got to have the right kind of fight in you. If you don't see this as a spiritual war, you're going to always have animosity and hatred toward people. And see, God will not bless and will not tolerate a person who does not know how to love when they're hated or disliked or anything like that and know how to forgive and and make it genuine, make it come from the Spirit and through the blood of Jesus. You got me? Go to God with it and tell God, you know, God, I've been hurt by this and I don't want to go here anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Blah, 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 blah. And he'll tell you, okay, forgive them. You know, and I'll heal you. And that's how this process works. If we didn't have healing and we didn't have forgiveness, we'd be a sad people indeed. But that's your salvation. You got me? That's your escape from the hater. That's how you get over into a prosperous and a successful life. It's through walking in love. See? (laughs) You can't avoid that. You cannot avoid that. You should never see people as your problem. You're being deceived if that's what's happening. So I'm here to tell you these are spiritual forces. And if they're working through Aunt Jane tomorrow, they're going to work through Uncle Tom today. They're going to work through your husband, your kids. They're going to work through somebody 
to try and get you cornered to accept your your what they are giving you and and not fight it in a spiritual fashion. See? What happens many times is Christians tend to retreat instead of fighting this thing spiritually. They'll get overcome and retreat and exit and go someplace else and run into the same thing, if not worse. Huh? The same devil. He said, what you doing over here? I thought I beat you up over there. I'm going to beat you up twice as bad now that you didn't come over here. Because you're over there. God told you to go there and there was some protection over here. There ain't nothing for you but a beat down. Twice as bad. Huh? It's true anyway. It's true anyway. See, see, this retarded attitude of I can't do certain things and people are mean to me and they don't understand my gift and I can't do this and they're, they're treating me like this. and that, That's got to stop, folks. At some point, you've got to understand who you are and stand up and be who you are. And let the haters hate. See? Let them say what they want to say. But you stand up and you be what God told you to be. And pretty soon the haters will get scared. And say, hmm, I see we can't move this one no more. Maybe we go find somebody weak so we can lean on them a little bit harder. So the aim of the hater, spirits of hatred, is to impart self-hatred and outward hatred toward others. So they get you to dislike yourself, and in the process you dislike others. They do it through lies, deceit, snares, and fears, among other tactics. And this is possible because of human weakness and defenselessness without God. See, unless you retreat into the word and you let the word be your your measuring rod, you'll constantly be wondering. Well, I wonder why, why they say that or why they feel that. Or you say something to somebody and you think they took it the wrong way and you're disturbed for days. I wonder if they knew what I meant. I meant to say, see, that's that's because there's some distrust in there, some self-hatred working against you where you don't even trust yourself to be able to make a mistake and be forgiven and live victoriously. This is how we live, folks. You don't live. Amen. You don't live as a Christian without making errors or without making blunders. Why is it that the most important conversation is what somebody did wrong and how they messed up? You got me? We don't live a life without mistakes and without errors. And the haters will cause you to grab on to what you hear that's some, that's unfortunate. You got me? It's not, they're not wicked, they're not bad, they're not stupid, they're not, it's unfortunate. Just like it is when you mess up. It's unfortunate. Huh? And so as believers, we have to choose to believe the best. They've got a chance. If I can talk to them and give them the word, they can repent. They can come out of this. They can 
You got me? That's how you deal with these things as a believer. You dig in there with that person understanding that that could be you and was you, your lions, whatever. Huh? It's you every morning when you get up making mistakes. It's you before you go to bed and done something crazy. It's all of us. And if we can dig down in there as righteous people together, believing the best and pulling out one another up into the realm of righteousness. Huh? Come on, brother. I'm going to go walk with you another further. I know you done got stupid, messed up in your head about something, but I believe God for you. We're going through this together. You, we pulling you through another further. I don't care if you don't feel like you want to come through. And that's how we live this Christian life. We don't live this life expecting people to, to grow uh, uh, wings out of their back and start flying off somewhere. We believe them for to walk from glory to glory and faith to faith. To come out of this darkness into a realm of light and operate in that light until God shows you more light. And that's how we live as believers. And we don't live watching in, in a hating fashion to see who's messed up now and how they messed up. And, and they, I knew they wasn't right. I knew you wasn't right either, but I still love you, little sorry self. Huh? <laughs> You'll never get anywhere because the enemy wants us to be so afraid of other people's words and one another's words against one another that we never step out in faith and do anything for God. See, if you can be, if you're afraid of making a mistake and making a mistake in front of people, you're like the worst candidate for faith. Huh? Because faith is going to entail you not knowing what's on the other side of that step. But to the best of your knowledge, you believe God told you to make that step. And you don't care who don't like it and what the haters say to you. You're just going to make that step anyway. And God, here I am stepping. Please be out there with me. Human weakness and defenselessness without God causes us to fall into the snare of the enemy. The enemy has an assignment against us. The assignment never changes. That's why you can be stupid day one born again and be just as stupid 20 years later born again. Because the assignment never changes. See, if we're not smart enough to realize that we, from the day we come into this world to the day we leave, there will be trouble, tribulation, snares, encounters, all of those things. And they're never going to quit. You just always have to depend on God. Be on the spiritual alert. Gird up your loins. Keep truth. In your inward parts. Don't flirt around with people who are uh, in the gutter and want to whisper about people all the time and always have something dark to tell you about something. Don't mess with people like that. Huh? Learn how to walk in the light. God will be, if nobody's out there in the light but you and Jesus, at least you got him. You got company. You're always going to have company if that's what you're worried about. So... Haters will use words and false evidence 
to get access to our thought life. They use words and false evidence to get access to your thought life. The assignment's always the same. It never changes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan has a plan to take you out before you live out the length of your days. He uses a plan to defeat you using your own words, actions, and faith through deception. Haters convince us of our worthlessness and the worthlessness of others through negative interpretation of life's experiences. Haters control atmospheres through the prince of the power of the air, through the power of the fourth estate. You ever notice how the devil can get more airtime? You see how Christians struggle to get on television. I'm talking about the ones that have good, good Christian <clears throat> You know, it's always this, oh gosh, we gotta raise more money. And, you know, that's like the, the, uh, dread of having almost to do anything publicly for God. You know, is having to struggle to, to pay that bill to stay on there. But sinners can get people to pay for anything. I mean, they got a reality show. They can get sponsors for these crazy reality shows. How you get a show called Real Housewives and nobody married on the show? I don't get it. They didn't got somebody to sponsor the uh who is a preacher's wives? I don't know what do they call them? The uh it's a bunch of preacher's wives on there. You know, on some reality getting stupid in front of there. You know, this is where they want you to go out real stupid. It's getting people who are in leadership. And you can tell they don't know nothing about nothing. These are young kids. Somebody's giving them some money to start a pretty decent church, and they all dress real nice. Now they got the a preacher's daughters on there, and all. It just, just it's, it's just making a mockery of everything that's decent and anything that's about God. It just wants to poke fun of it, and make fun of it. And the devil has no trouble finding sponsors for that kind of nonsense. And yet here's the, you know, somebody like Richard Roberts who just wants to take an extra missionary trip somewhere. And he's beating his head against the, the wall trying to get enough money just to sponsor what he knows the people need somewhere. And so we're going to have this, folks, because deception is what, what uh, carnal people like. They like to pretend. They like this pretend life. They like to believe that everybody can be a star. You can get your own show. And, and they're pretty much showing that. That anybody anywhere can get on television. You got me? Some of these people are, are like two steps away from Jerry Springer. In fact, they're worse than Jerry Springer. To be honest with you, the way they live and carry on and vulgar, cuss each other out in front of their children. and got children in, in having programs like this. They don't care. They don't care. And so the haters have put this in people, this self-hatred where you degrade yourself for a dollar in front of people and you don't care. And then you degrade your neighbor, your, your relative. You know, a lot of these people are, are brothers and sisters and cousins and aunts and uncles. 
And they get on TV and fight each other like cats and dogs. The devil loves that kind of stuff. So haters are in charge of that kind of thing. They like controlling the airwaves with a lot of uh, filth and, and things that dehumanize people. and Make people look less than human if they can. So they'll convince people of their own worthlessness and the worthlessness of others through negative interpretation of life's experiences. When I say negative interpretation, anything that happens that's a disaster, God did that. Anything that happens that's good, I did that. You got me? That's how the world sees things. So when things are going well, oh, I worked hard and and I paid my dues and I did this and I did that. And then when something bad happens, well, why did God let this happen to us? See? And so the the devil increases hatred toward God through people, through negative interpretation of things that go on. You know, God is where you ask him to be. He's always where we ask him to be. If you walk with God and, and God loves you and you love him, he's right there with you. And the Bible says even if you fall you're not utterly cast down because he upholds you with the right hand of his righteousness so you're a righteous person you walk with god no no evil can befall you are you kidding me they'd have to kill god to get you but for the person that's in iniquity and doesn't know god God is somebody out there trying to get them every time they turn around because the devil has told them that about God. See, the hater of humanity has told them they're not worth very much. So God's just waiting for you to step out of line so he can squash you like a bug. Huh? They feel that there's a vindictive God out there who's trying to get them. So when the Christian comes and tells them that, that God, Jesus loves them, that's kind of hard for them to take right off the bat. You know what I'm saying? Because they've been so programmed through <clears throat> through the haters that tell them lies about God, tell them lies about themselves, and tell them lies about God's people. So they convince us. Their assignment is to convince us that we are worthless and that others are worthless as well. Comparing yourself. With other people. It's a tactic of the enemy. You're to measure yourself against the word of God. You're a Christian. And when you find you don't measure up. You repent and you say God help me not to do this anymore. Help me to get on, on in line with your word. So that I can be the success you say I am and called me to be. I want to be what you tell me I am. And so when we find ourselves on the outside of that, it's because the enemy has somehow convinced us of our worthlessness. And then what we do is we see others and start to just compare a little bit. You know, just, well, they have this and I don't have that. and They have this and I don't have that. And then pretty soon there begins an animosity there. There's, yeah. And then, then you're in their head. See? They think they're better than I am because they got this, 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 and it. Well, you want it. 
Huh? You need to ask them how you might get it. I mean, sit down and take some notes and pay attention because you might be able to. But see, hatred won't let you do that. I don't want that. Yeah, I don't want nothing they got. Okay, then. Don't eat the player. Eat the game. Haters control atmospheres. You can tell it when you, if you go into a room, if you're a Christian, you go into a room where people are gossiping. The minute you walk in with a different spirit on you. Now, if you're coming in there with your cigarette and you're edging to get into a conversation, and get down with everybody, put your peace in there too. They don't even notice you. They just come on in. What you got for us today? <clears throat> But if you go in there in the spirit of God, just in your normal spiritual man, you'll stop the flow of the buzz. The haters have to stand at attention when a child of God comes in representing. You understand what I'm saying? When you're in there in the right way, haters have to stop what they're doing. Huh? The Bible said every knee bows. At the authority of the name of Jesus. They have to bow and they have to stop. So then they hate on you. Because every time you come in. The party's over. Huh? Yeah. So whenever you come in. The party's over and they know it's going to be over. So then they want to start lying about you. Making up things about you. Behind your back. If somebody can hit the boss's ear. They'll tell you, tell them things about you. See if they can get you removed from your job, get you suspended, get you watched real close. When you come in, when you check, punch out, you know, they want to watch everything about you. Huh? And see, God does that for a reason. Because he loves them and he wants a witness and an example before them. The haters will one day say, you remember so-and-so and so-and-so that used to work with us but now is upstairs and is our boss's boss? Remember we had all kind of stuff on her and never could get her fired. We never could get her fired. And all she did was went on her lunch break and read her Bible and came back out was nice to us. huh? See, that should be their report about us, folks. That we didn't hate back. We didn't. Get down and dirty, whatever. We didn't cuss everybody out, though we wanted to a million times. We let the love of God prevail and bring us up to a higher level. Haters also set cultural ideals. The ideal we have now about young people can live together without the benefit of marriage. And it's okay. Same-sex people can live together without, well, I don't know what they would have anyway. They claim they get married, but I got news for them. They set cultural ideals, goals, and customs through popular ideology. So it's popular now for people to live together without being married. It's popular now. And see, this is where the haters are going to run into real problems. Because people, you know, people might like not having to get married. They like, everybody likes their own kind of sin. But nobody likes paying for it. 
So now we're realizing what it costs to encourage sexual promiscuity. That's why the government's trying to take over health care because they know they're going to have to pay. They're paying for everything now anyway. You know, it's just a formality. So while they're turning a, a, a um, turning the other cheek or turning a deaf ear or turning and, and snickering at the, the sleep around philosophy, what they don't realize is they've fostered a whole generation now of young people who just have one child after another after another. Who was and they all got the same daddy. His name is Uncle Sam. You got me? So we all sick of paying for everybody else's sin, aren't we? I'm sick of paying for babies that ain't none of mine. I'm sick of paying for... Uncle Sam, he generous with taxpayer money. My money and you're my hardworking people and their money. Huh? Pay for abortions, pay for condoms, pay for birth control if they'll take it. So the enemy through these cultural ideals, sinful cultural ideals and goals and customs, these are elaborate plots to steal, kill, and destroy. Because a household that does not have the benefit of a covenant before God, either through uh, a legal marriage, whether or not that, that couple is Christian, there is a protection there and a marriage covenant that God must respect. When they make vows before God to stay together, then God is obliged to help that process. And it's through that process oftentimes that people come to know the Lord. They'll get born again. And so he has a way of legitimizing his covenant with them through them just wanting the right thing, so to speak. Just just the right thing in life. And so haters are assigned to destroy that. These forces work to get you to accept sinful ideas as the norm. Slowly but surely this country has accepted. And oh, if you if you say anything, if you say this is wrong, if you dare say that anything against this, then you're the hater. Huh? Then, then you're the person who's, you know, you're judging me. You're not supposed to judge me. Huh? I don't need to judge you. We got a judge in heaven that's already said the wages of sin is death. Now, if you listen to me long enough, I can tell you how to get that sin erased out of your life and live and not die. Huh? If the enemy, if the haters can get us to accept their ideas, then all right, from those ideas we form opinions. Hmm? We have a president now that when his first term in office was for 
against homosexual marriage and it's for heterosexual. Now that's different. See, the haters can get you to change your ideas and opinions about things. So ideas form opinions and opinions form beliefs. Beliefs can be changed. You can believe something one year and the next year you're somebody that worked on your mind and told you this is this is what you know you're going to gain from being over on this side and you go over on that side. It's how politicians operate. Haters tend to play on our emotions, our weaknesses, and our personal insecurities. Everybody has them. Everybody has emotions or, or things that they are emotional about. Everybody has weaknesses. Certain things that we don't do well, we're not accomplished at. It's not our strength. It's not our our forte. So we all have weaknesses. And we all have personal insecurities. Certain things that we we just would let others do. We'd rather let other people do them because we just don't feel secure doing them ourselves. So that's everybody. People develop complexes. These are complex thought patterns that leave the person accepting some lie about themselves and about others. Haters convince us that we are not capable. So now you got, instead of taking your own kids and putting them to bed, and tell them if they get out that bed, I'm going to throw you out the window, and I mean it this time. We got to go get Super Nanny. Huh? To come and take you through a whole routine where God is giving you as a parent authority over your child. But see, haters even make you think as a parent, you don't really, you can't really control your child. You take him to the doctor and you get pills and the pills don't control him. In fact, the pills make him, I just, you know, I could swear little Johnny, he was a little bit calmer than he was before we started giving him these pills. So you think maybe one day you quit giving the pills and little Johnny gets worse. In fact, he'd start tearing the room up and he didn't do that before. Then you're wondering, did that devil come in here? Was he in there all the time before I gave him the pill? Or did the pill put that devil in him like that? So now everybody in the house is confused. And little Dev, you know, little Johnny's tearing everything up. So we take him to get a second opinion from another doctor. Now he's acting up at school. You could at least get a break when he was at school. Now you got to have him at home with you all the time. Huh? All because of insecurity where the haters have worn you down and convinced you you don't even know how to manage your own offspring. Now, let me give you Christians a hint. If you can't get in the word... And get an understanding from God as to how to win your child over and get their confidence so that they can. You got to get trust. 
you got to have love working in there. You can't have a power struggle all the time. You've got to have it so that you have God in there to help you. He gave you that child. He can help you to raise that child. Please don't ever get in a, a good parent contest with somebody. Who's the best parent? Who does this right? Because listen, honey, everybody's going to have their day. Everybody's kid is going to lie. Everybody's kid is going to take something that don't belong to them. Everybody's kid is going to sleep with somebody they ain't got no business sleeping with or try to. You understand me? So don't add pressure to yourself trying to compete with somebody you think is, is parent example A, you know, best parent in the world. Because they will have their day of a challenge as well. All kids will challenge their parents' authority. Mm-hmm. So haters convince us that we're not capable. You've got to have a website to go on to get information about this. Huh? You've got to have a life coach. It used to be you just got married, you went to church, you had a pastor. When things got real rough at home, you know, you, you find, especially if the pastor married you, huh? And some of them, them country pastors, they didn't know nothing except, you know, three scriptures and go upside your head. But they could get you and John in there and get you in a separate room from the kids. And by the time they came out, John was straight. He, he thought he wanted to go somewhere and do something with some other woman. But he's changed his mind now. Because man of God didn't come and got their brother straight. Huh? That's what that scripture, you know, the scripture says if an unbelieving spouse wants to depart let him go that means don't call the pastor to try to convince that brother to stay you got me because that's how they handled it back in the day they they should handle it that way now but now pastors so don't want to offend anybody huh they don't want you know it's, well god's got something better for you i don't think so huh and as a as a matter of fact to be honest honest with you man of god um you know I, i'm really not looking for nothing better at this point right now that's the farthest thing from my i mean when you're when you got upset in your household you ain't looking to jump over on somebody else right now and anybody's got that in their mind certainly got better sense than to call the preacher if that's what's in your mind you just go do that and hope nobody finds out. Yeah, we did talk to the brother and he says he wants to go. We can't hold him. Huh? Used to be we'd hold him and tell him to listen. You stay there with them kids. You stay there with your wife. And, you know, you do what God says do. And, and you'll be accountable to me and the deacons. Hmm? That's how you kept your life together. You had a father-in-law and a mother that stayed together. And when trouble came to the household, they were called in. In fact, they would get in your mix real quick. If they look and see anything, huh? But now mom and daddy ain't together. And they both out looking for somebody, so they really don't have time for you. Huh? Are you still married to him? I thought you left him a long time ago. Huh? They don't have time for you. 
they don't have time for your problems and they said well don't call me i told you not to get involved it better be single huh so there is no help for the person that wants to live right not the same help that we've traditionally see the haters have destroyed our traditions mocked them told us they were holding us back huh Oh, you need to divorce him. You just scared of being by yourself. Why don't you divorce your husband? Huh? You keep that old boy around. Talk about him like a dog, but you're still there. Gonna encourage me to leave mine so you know I don't have nothing. So come on now. You go first. You know, it's some people just assigned to do that. They're assigned, they talk so negative about things, and you think if somebody feels that negative about something, but they stay right there where they are, but they go always tell you, you ought to leave. I don't see why you put up with that. I wouldn't put up with that. Huh? You don't know how they're living. But they stay. So their assignment is to talk against yours, and when they find that you are getting weak or you are thinking about leaving, then they can push you over the edge. Then go to work and talk about you. Oh, she had a good man. See her and her kids out there. I don't know what's wrong with her. Her and her kids out there in the cold. They ain't got nothing. I'd have stayed with that man if I was there. Hmm? Serpentine. Their tongue is split to speak in two different directions. And they both sound credible. They both sound credible. Haters convince us that we're incapable of living our lives normally. Just with God's help and some prayer and support from a Christian uh, congregation of believers that we can't make it. You know, we need more than that. We got to, you know. So, you know, for instance, you, you make mistakes and you receive correction. You know, everybody needs some type of correction. The haters magnify the personal side of correction instead of magnifying the information contained in the correction. For instance, <clears throat> if Miss Avis is, is applying for a job, and this was the conversation that we, we had a little bit of a conversation about it. She went in and she felt that the reason she didn't get the job was because there were other applicants, more qualified, younger, whatever, whatever. And I said, don't believe that. Don't you accept that because your God's favor is on you. You see what I'm saying? And so the correction begins, don't believe that because God's favor is upon you. Believe this instead. Haters will pull you aside and say, well, see, listen to the way she said that, see. 
Now, see, now, see, it ain't got nothing to do with that. But see, she don't like you. Right. She don't want you to, to go out and get, get a job. She's just setting you up to go out there and get rejected by somebody else again because, see, she don't want you to, you, you see what I'm saying? So that's haters feed you. They always, it's like this. You can be driving down the main drag, minding your business, and all of a sudden there's a fork in the road. The hater will get you to make the wrong turn every single time because he makes it about you. The correction is never about staying on the right road, getting on the right road, and getting there. It's about how do they feel about you. They don't like you. Look how they talk to you. Well, they could have said something else. Why they have to say that like that? Huh? Y'all, most of y'all know it's true because everybody in here has that little thing in there that wants to doubt if somebody has your best interest at heart. Or if they saying something just to upset you and hurt your feelings because they get somehow, somehow they're, you know, they can pray okay and get you healed. But somehow they're a little sadistic when it comes to setting you in the right direction. Stupid. Stupidest thing you ever heard. But people, and if you find yourself, when you're corrected, if you find yourself lingering too long and wondering, well, did they mean, what did they mean when they said that? Would you, would, that didn't sound right to me. They just, why would she say that to me? See, if you get yourself over in that thing and park yourself there, you're going to miss everything spiritual that God has for you. Because you have yet not died to you enough to get over the self-hatred that you have. You brought the self-hatred to the party. All I brought was the word trying to encourage you. To believe for something better. But you brought the self-hatred to the party yourself. You got me? And the self-doubt. And so you've got to root that stuff. Because I don't care who gives you direction, instruction, whatever. If you get out in the world and you take every closed door personally. You're going to back up and retreat into that little hovel you came out of. And it's going to take an army to get your butt back out again. Because you yet do not see from a spiritual eye what God is trying to do for you. You got me? So then that's why the next time you need correction, it has to be stronger. It's got to be more definitive. It's got to sound meaner to you. Because now you done backed yourself back deeper in that hole. And now we're trying to pull you back out again so you can use your faith. So they about got to blast you up out of there. Huh? people that you know I have nothing against doctors don't get me wrong if that's the best you can do go for it but don't sit up here and say you're believing God for a healing and you know the first thought that comes to your mind is I'm sick and I'm going to the ER go to the ER you got me but don't play me why you got to involve me in your game huh I'm just, you know, hey, I'm winging it now. I had notes a few minutes ago, but I don't care about no notes. Huh? Because you know you ain't believing God worth two cents. When you get home, you're looking at CNN and all them other crazy people. I'm talking about you intellectual Christians. The rest of y'all is on MTV still. Huh? 
<laughs> you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you know you ain't in the words. You know you ain't believing God. You ain't standing on nothing. Just go on to the doctor. I'll pray for you that he don't kill you when you get in there and there's no poison in the injection and all that kind of good stuff we pray for. And let's just go on in life. I'm hoping and believing that one day before it's it's severe, you'll start trusting him with your body. Amen. Huh? He made it. <laughs> but see, we hate to play her, don't we? Yeah. Because if she'd go away, I wouldn't feel bad every time I get sick and have to go to the doctor. <laughs> I make you feel worse. <laughs> huh? I don't make you nothing. That's a conviction of God trying to get you to see that there is something better here for you if you would reach out for it. All you got to do is say, Jesus, please help me to understand what it is that I lack understanding instead of sitting there pretending that you amen and everything. Oh, yes, a man, I stand on the word of God for everything. Oh, yes, a man, I am healed by his stripes, I healed. Right. 911, can you come get me? Ambulance, right. <laughs> With many people, it's just as simple as calling for the elders of the church, and your life will change dramatically. It'll change dramatically. Huh? Renee, God bless her, reached out like that one time and found God was right there and healed her of cancer in three days. She stayed healed for almost ten years. Uh, that's all it takes is humbling yourself to God. I'm nobody in this whole thing. I could be any messenger he sent. But I'm telling you, just humbling yourself to God, saying, God, I want to be healed. I don't understand how this works. I don't, I, you know, when I try to say I'm healed, it doesn't work. What is, well, can you help me? Amen. Huh? So all you're doing is asking for the, him to help. Amen. And God's faithful. What he does for one person, he'll do for everybody. But as believers, we got to stop playing these insecure games. You're insecure, admit it, admit it to God, you don't have to tell me nothing. But why bypass your pastor and the elders of the church and bug another saint for a prayer of agreement? What's wrong with going to authority so that you can get properly covered and you can be properly brought out of this? Makes no sense. We need to pl- stop playing these games. That's the wrong game. Wrong game entirely. So haters want to to defeat us. They're there to defeat us. Because <clears throat> when people correct you, what you hear is very important. And I'm going to tell you something. What you hear mostly comes from within you. You hear according to what you bring to the table. You don't hear according to what they say. What people hear when they're corrected is you're worthless. You're slow. You're no good. Huh? 
And the person correcting you never used those words. So who brought that to the table? Mm-hmm. Y'all going to learn who your enemy is. You're going to get them haters about your life. Huh? And quit playing around with these ideas that it's a flesh and blood thing and certain people are against you and all this kind of stuff. You go into a job and a boss corrects you. Oh, I'm getting another job. My boss doesn't like me. You don't like you either right about now. So I was saying you and the boss are in agreement. It's the truth. Why would you quit anything? Last month you wanted a job bad. Now you got the job, you run into something, you run into yourself. How are you going to quit yourself? Quit bringing them to the table. Quit bringing yourself to the table. Start bringing truth to the table. Start bringing who God says you are to the table. Start believing with everything that's in you that you can overcome anything that the haters put on the inside of you. You got to overcome that yourself. Because I'm going to tell you, the people that, that, that are walking with God, they're going to be walking with God, most of them. They're going to be doing their job. It's up to you to either receive them as the oracles of God and people who are there to help your life, or you can pick through it and mealy mouth it and try to pull them apart in the process hmm? and malign them for doing their job before God. See, this nonsense has got to stop because all we're doing is allowing the enemy to get a stronger and stronger and stronger foothold in our lives because we refuse to acknowledge that that's our fight to fight the haters. See, it's nobody's fight but yours to fight them haters and get them off of you. I see people who are getting into controversy, ministers with good ministries that can't let go of hatred because of some long-standing issue against church people. And you see it in there. What they write. And when I go on Facebook, I give people a scripture. Saints of God, let's be encouraged by this today. And get off of there. That's your job. I don't have to get on there and defend a message. That's God's job. That's his message. It ain't my message. I'm there to give the message and let God defend the truth that he puts out there through me. And if I stick with a scripture, God will always confirm that and validate it. But if I get on there and try to get an issue going on, see, here we go. Pastors ought to pay people what they say they're going to pay them. Well, you don't know who's reading that. How about the last guy that you preached for? Maybe he gave you his best offering. He think you're pointing the finger at him. Now, see, that's coming from somebody that's listening to haters on the inside of them. Now they're offering out that out in front of I don't know how many people. 
to see if they can get some more people in the body of Christ hating some preachers. We got enough preacher haters out here. We don't need them in God's house. We got enough of them out there in the world to deal with. But see, these issues of self. See, somebody who's mad about their offering isn't extending their faith for the next place they get to. See, the devil just stopped you dead in your track. He got you stuck here because you don't like the offering you got here. Now he's got you stuck. Now you're putting out words, maligning people. You're cutting off open doors that God might have want to open for you because you let some hater push you into pushing post on something you shouldn't even been thinking in the first place. What we bring to the table is very important. Everybody brings some kind of element of self-hatred, either in self-distrust, inadequacy, insecurity, something. We need to own it and recognize it. You know what? Sometimes when people say things to me, I just take it the wrong way. And I have to stop myself, God, and listen to what they're really saying to me. And not believe they're trying to destroy me with their words, but maybe they're trying to help me. Hmm? And I'll be honest, sometimes the preacher's doing the best they can. Because it's kind of frustrating telling the same people the same thing over and over and over again. And they keep coming up with the same wrong answer. But you keep loving them, keep trying, keep believing, stay in there with them, let's dig in there with them. Huh? See, these are dynamic situations. I don't just come to you hating you and want to put you down. And you don't contribute anything? Are you kidding me? I'm sorry as you again. I mean, on the faith side, I want you to be using your faith and able to get up over this and overcome this. Frustrating. You know what it means to be a human being and be frustrated with something? We all feel it. So we got to look at things in a normal fashion. You know, this person really don't hate me. They don't have anything to gain by disliking me. I I just have to realize that there's something I'm missing. So maybe if I can trust them to help me find out what it is that I'm missing, I can get through this. You got me? That's what human beings, that's what Christians do. That's what normal people do. They look for peace and they look for a solution. They're not always trying to dig in there and find something evil to give them an excuse for not being obedient to God. Because oftentimes if we can accuse the person in authority of doing something evil, we think we have an excuse not to obey God. Huh? People do in relationships all the time. You know, uh, mommy, the teacher was mean to me today. What'd they do? Told me to sit down. You should, what was you doing standing up when you weren't supposed to sit down then? I'm with the teacher. So, you know, my parents were smart. They didn't let, they, they locked rank with other authority figures. See, people don't do that nowadays. You know, you got to lock rank with the other authority figures. And if you got some goofy idea, you don't let your kid know what it is. You don't rebuke a, a, a an authority figure in front of your child. It's crazy. Crazy. Because you'll pay for it. 
Because that kid's going to rise up against you one day and you won't have any kind of help for yourself in that. Because you don't really trust authority either. We bring all this hatred to the table, folks. Insecurities. That's a cute way of calling it, but it's self-hatred. Some level, you dislike yourself. Because you formed an opinion that I, I don't do this well and that for I am wrong. Yes. See, when you make yourself wrong, mm-hmm. well, then in order to feel better, you got to make somebody else wrong. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? you got to pull somebody else in there with you. And so we have to realize that haters do this. And it all is there to hinder you from walking in the spirit where your faith is, where you have easy access to the word of God. Where you had, these are all locks on a big door called faith that keep you on the outside instead of allowing you to go in. Because if you would ever recognize who the real enemy is and what he's done to destroy your mind and thinking well about yourself and picking up the word and letting the word minister to your soul and make yourself whole in the world, word. Huh? Yeah, when I first came to the Lord, I came to the Lord because my husband wanted a divorce. And I didn't realize this, but divorced people oftentimes see that as a help, as a friend to them when they get in difficult. You know, you get in a relationship and you don't want to give anymore, you don't want to try anymore, then divorce becomes your friend because you can always escape that pressure through that door and from years of being insecure and being being uh, you know just having this self-hatred I thought to myself that there was something I did wrong and I couldn't figure out what it was and I tormented myself day and night trying to figure if I could just figure out what did I do wrong if I could I need to go back. And, you know, when you start doing that, you're on your way out in a straitjacket. No problem. You know, uh, uh, you're beyond a pill. You got me? You're beyond little occupational therapy, you know, making a few little trivets and doing a little crochet and all that kind of stuff. Make yourself feel happy, happy. You're beyond that. You got me? You're in the bowels of hell. And I can remember God talking to me through the word. And it was a story about the man who refused to forgive. Remember, the guy owed him a little bit, and he didn't, the guy had owed, he'd owed somebody a whole lot, and they forgave him. And he owed a little bit, and he said, I've turned him over to his tormentors. And so I began, and see, now like they're so-called mature Christians, you show them that scripture if they're in trouble, and they get offended. I didn't even know any better, and I saw it in the Word, he showed it to me. So I was mature enough at, you know, age zero in Christ to accept truth it was a truth and so I said well God if if I'm not forgiving somebody of something you know just let me know what it is and he began to show me how I had nursed and through ignorance you know if you don't have Christ there's no place to put your sin through ignorance I had nursed a lot of bad situations and embraced them uh, so that 
it was hard for me to let go of them and I'd had to let go of the people involved and I had to, you know, say I was sorry about my part in it and all that kind of stuff. It was hard for me to let go of that. But as I did and as I got the light of God on the inside of me, I began to think more normal like a normal human. I wasn't so tormented anymore. And then God began to reveal to me that the enemy uses self-hatred on everybody. He used self-hatred on my husband. That's why he didn't feel that he deserved anybody that wanted to stay with him till he grew old. So, you know, when God shows you that, you don't have anybody to hate anymore. I'm thinking, man, come on now. It's, <laughs> we're getting a little too free here. But I began to understand that everybody's a victim, so to speak. But everybody can be a victor if they will take God's way out of it. If you quit bringing your hate to the party and blaming it on somebody else. Huh? It's like, you know, you come into a party and people say, well, who was that with you? I don't know who that is. He looked like you, looked just like you. Sure that ain't somebody ain't your kin to you? That's your hate you brought with you. Looks just like you, acts just like you, talks just like you. But it's the enemy's self-hatred that he's put in you through uh, over the years of misinterpreting what went on in your life. You've been looking at it like it's your fault, like it's your responsibility, like it's all you. And then when you get tired of bearing the weight of it, you're pushing on somebody else. huh? It never goes away until you come into God. And at the foot of the cross, you can finally lay that stuff down. I was so glad when I didn't have to hate nobody anymore. When I didn't have to be depressed because I thought nobody cared about me and I was just going to die there and there was nothing good ever going to happen with my life. When I finally laid that down through repentance. The hated word. That's the word Christians hate. Because we live in grace, you know. That means you, you, there's some state that you don't have to repent to get to. You can go in there with all your sin and all your stupidity. And all your insecurities and you're fine. You still have to pass the righteousness test, folks. Care what you do. If you don't uh, uh, put on imputed righteousness, if you put that off through dislike, through hate, self-hate, feeling sorry for yourself, hiding from the world, hiding from life. Pretense. It's all sin. Huh? Just like the rapper pretends to be in love with himself and he's got this horrible background that nobody's ever straightened out for him and finally dies of an overdose. It's just as foolish to me for Christians to pretend they're living in grace when they're really a fear, afraid to confront their own fears. Huh? You read the end of the book. Them fearful people had a part in the lake of fire. God showed me that when I was saved like three weeks. Because I was housebound. Because I was afraid to go out. And I started looking up the word fear and fearful in the Bible. And it said the fearful and all liars will have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. 
And I said, God, you've put me in hell because I'm scared. And he said, oh, yeah. He says a lot of people in there because of fear. There's murderers in there because they were afraid of people. Bought a gun to protect themselves. Huh? There's people in there that are liars because they're fearful. Don't want people to know the truth about them. Huh? So they lie habitually. There are people in there that steal because they're fearful. Scared of poverty. Don't want to be broke. Don't want to be without things. Embarrassed of who they are and the way they live. They're right in there too. So I found out that fear was probably the world's biggest problem that separates them from God. That the devil hits us with so much fear through these lies and insecurities that we'd rather hide our fears and pretend we're living in some happy state. Huh? Oh, I'm not in works. I'm in grace. You need to work on yourself. Quit lying so much. Quit hiding from everything. It's just begun to be now a big a garbage pail to put the next group before it was prosperity. Everybody was in that bucket. Now it's grace. Everybody's jumped in that bucket. And nobody's ever confronted the haters that live on the inside of them. Huh? How much time we got? <laughs> Three minutes. Okay, so I'm gonna. <clears throat> we we'll we'll finish next month, in the month after that, in the month after that. <laughs> Stay tuned for the next episode of Dallas. Who shot Jr.? I shot him. Huh? <laughs> Haters magnify the personal side of correction. Instead of the information contained in the correction. Hmm? It's like somebody trying to, you know, you're getting driving lessons. And the instructor tells you to stop because you're coming up on a car real fast. Well, why are you hollering at me like that? Because you're about to kill both of us, idiot. (laughs) Instead of the information contained in the correction. That's the key. That's where God hides. He hides in the information contained in the correction. And he could care less about the vessel that carries the message. I got news for you. God is not going to show me who's boss because I'm firm with you. You got me? That's not your job to wish on somebody. But you need to wish that I didn't have to be so firm and you get it right the next time. Focus on what the correction is. Got it? It's not too hard for you to receive. huh? But if you're going to argue every time somebody wants to give you correction, they're going to have to argue back with you if they want to get through to you. God forbid you get to the point where your pastor doesn't want to correct you anymore. They feel you're hopeless. Huh? They feel you're hopeless. You don't ever want to get there. When you're like this, it defeats you because the person hears that they're worthless, they're stupid or lazy when these words were never used. Typically, we hear people say things like this. Well, you make me feel like I'm... No, you make you feel like that. 
I can't, if I could make you anything, I'd make you get up and use your faith so we can both end this conversation. You got me? So I can't make you nothing. When this is definitely impossible. The feelings come from within us and our own self-hatred. And in this situation, the hater has won because he's got you now in a flesh and blood battle and not a spiritual one. Tricked you again, twicked you again. Got you looking at people instead of the devil who's really behind all of it. We don't understand that we don't have to receive the hatred on anybody's words. So even if somebody is hating on you, you don't have to receive it. Instead of how you're you're putting your feelers out there. Because I can tell you right now, religious people have a history of coming to church with their, their heart on their sleeves. Their feelers out. They're there to find out if they really like me or if this is like the last place I left. Huh? It's just true. They have the people spend more time in personal conversation sometimes in church than they do in worship. They go there for the yap, huh? And not for the that. And so if that's, that's what, what it is, then you need correction, huh? You need to run into some people tell you, you know, this ain't what this is for, huh? This is the kind of church where we work for God and we do what God tells us to do as best we can. We get prayer, we get prophecy, we get whatever we get prayed for when we're sick. This is, this is that kind of place. This ain't what you think it is. Huh? And if you're looking for a, a date or a hate or whatever you're looking for, this ain't the place for this. Huh? This is a place where God dwells and we learn how to be better at being Christians and go on and work for God. And so I think a lot of times with, with us as believers, you get off that road. Sometimes you can veer off of that road of wanting what God wants for you. Think about it. What did God tell you he was going to do for you when you first came here? He's still going to do it. If you got off the road and you need to get back on the road, get back on the road. But quit dabbling around in in Haterville. You know, because the devil will bring you new people to hate every day. He'll bring you new things that, you know, you want to get involved in everybody's business. Pretty soon you're getting your feelings hurt for being a busybody. But stay focused on what God brought you here for. Get back to it. I don't care how painful it is. I don't care how much you dislike what God told you he's going to do. You need to stay with it until you can get to like it. And one day you'll love it. And one day it'll be a testimony for you. About how God brought you into an understanding that you're not some flesh and blood person. But your spirit being with gifts, talents, and abilities far beyond what you thought you could ever have without him. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and for understanding. 
that comes with your word and for understanding how we really feel on the inside and how to stay away from these feelings that come from the world, how to stay away from these thoughts, how to cast down imaginations that don't line up with your word, how to be who you've called us to be at all times, not just sometimes when we're around the saints, but how to be who you called us to be at all times, Lord. Be the same in season, out of season, that we're always the same, just like your son Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord, and we bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Why don't you play some music and we'll see what God wants to do. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands and my feet up. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. Why don't we just stand and worship the Lord? It's good to worship and thank Him for the Word. Thank Him for setting you free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's not us. It is the enemy. Thank you, Lord, that we won't embrace anything that He's done in our lives as belonging to us, Father. We can refuse it freely now. We understand what the enemy has done. We don't have to feel sorry for ourselves. We don't have to feel Jesus said, He took two fish and five loaves, and the multitude was fed. Lord, what I have may not be much, but I know it can multiply. The Lord is is saying this that that the Lord is, is asking me to implore you to believe what you've heard that the enemy has done this there was a man that sowed a field and he only sowed good seed and when he woke up after many nights he got up and and saw that there were tares a a bogus wheat tares really aren't weeds but they are a counterfeit kind of a wheat and he looked and he saw it and he said an enemy hath done this There are some things that are definitely the enemy. And the enemy sows these seeds into the minds, and if he can, into the hearts of everyone. Now, there's 
somebody or some of you, maybe more than one person, that as we were ministering, as we were talking about the devil and his hatred, and the enemy was speaking to you and, and saying, the devil doesn't do everything. You have to be responsible for some of that too, you know. Everybody keep your heads down. If the enemy spoke that to you, just raise your hand. Slip it up real quick and you can slip it back down again. Amen. Now Satan, we break that lie off of their minds in the name of... I curse that errant seed. In the name of... I curse it in Jesus' name. How dare you speak back to the spirit of the living God. How dare you speak back to the spirit of the living God and rob one of his very own of their true identity and of the truth of his word. How dare you speak against the holy word of the living God. How dare you lay an accusation toward one of God's elect. How dare you speak that lie into the ear of God's child as they open their hearts and their minds to the word. And we curse that word. We curse it and we crush it to the ground and we say it will not bear fruit in the name of Jesus. It will not bear fruit in Jesus' name. It will not bear fruit in the name of Jesus. You can't have it. 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 You cannot have it. You cannot have it. You cannot have it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that your word is true. That we would not set up out to destroy ourselves even as unbelievers Lord but this is the work of the devil and we curse his works and Father I ask you to let new growth come up let new growth spring forth new life spring forth new life spring forth new life come forth in that vessel Father new life come forth Father, I say that we are not evil people. We're not evil. We belong to you. There is not one feeble nor evil one among our tribe. That we are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. We are blood bought. We don't belong to the wicked one. Not any longer. We've crossed over. And we thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. If anybody wants prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. You know, I prayed for some people earlier. If you still need prayer, you can come up and we'll have a short time of prayer for you. Thank you, Jesus. You can turn the music up. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. And what the promise entails for you. Because what God's promised you, you've never seen it before. 
And when you talk about what you're believing God for, what comes in your mind is something that you know you've had in a repeat of the old. But he's saying what he he pro, he didn't promise you that. But what he has for you, and he told me to call it this, is a kudamasada bikuti. Have you seen that before? That's what he's got for you. And he says, if you will just trust him and keep walking forward. Don't quit walking forward. Just trust him that you've never seen it before. Then he'll bring it to you. But you're losing heart because you think it's going to be a repeat of the same old. And he said, that he never even promised you. He said, that you got for yourself. But what he has for you is something totally fresh, totally new, totally you've never thought of it before. And if you'll say yes to him and keep walking forward, he'll bring you into it, says the Spirit of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen.